Handle on the news. Handle on the news. Fires a three. This is for the win. He put it in. Hot damn. Hot damn. Hot damn. Oh, my goodness. At the buzzer. Bill Handle. With a three. Wow. And now, here's Bill Handle. All right. Tuesday now. May uh, 15th. Oh, yeah. Wow. You sound a lot better this morning than you did when I left. We'll see. All right. We'll see. <laughs> I uh, talked to uh, the NT doc uh, yesterday, and see, already it's cracking. See, those are the I first. I jinxed it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the voice is cracking. Uh, there isn't a lot we can do other than uh, rest it, and uh, there's no way I'm going to rest it and take a few days off. That's impossible. Not being gone for a month because of my little uh, self-imposed vacation. God, it was a fun vacation. Uh, that room uh, 209 at Kaiser for eight days was really nice stateroom. It was big. Well, sure. And I had a lot of servants who dressed in those uh, white uh, outfits. They Very had nice. Uniforms. nice. Yeah, all I had to do was press a button and they would come out. <laughs> and uh, what would you like? Oh, okay. Anyway, so uh, Mo is here filling in for... Uh, for Wayne, and uh, Wayne is on jury duty. He made it on a jury. Yeah, and he's an alternate. He's not even going to decide. That's kind of the worst spot to be in, though. I always feel like I feel bad for the alternates. Like, you get to sit there, and you have to sit through the whole thing and make all the decisions, but your decision really means nothing. In the oh, end. you don't even make decisions. You you don't even I mean, go. in your you, mind. Yeah, like, you don't go into the room. Oh, they have to stay out? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the deliberation are the jurors. Wow. And uh, if a juror is excused in the middle of uh, the deliberations, the alternate comes in and they have to restart again with the deliberations. Isn't that fun? Better him than me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jury duty. Wow. Poor Wayne. And jury duty is, you know, they talk about jurors not being very bright because they're comprised of people who can't get out of jury duty. (laughs) It's very difficult today to get out of jury duty. I've done it twice. Pardon? Uh, claiming that I, uh, number one, was a legitimate racist. Uh, well, not quite a racist. It was uh, one case. No, no, no. Go with that. No, okay. you are. Okay. Well, yeah. But, that's <laughs> like, but, let, it, but let me explain where I was going with that. <laughs> and uh, that is, it was a case where uh, there was a kid that was being tried for a, a misdemeanor hit and run. When's the last time you saw a jury trial? And uh, it was the kid was clearly a, an illegal alien. I mean, he didn't speak a word of English. Uh, they can't ask him that. And he looked just like one of the guys that are at Home Depot in the uh, driveway. You know, the baseball hat kept on looking down furtively, wouldn't look at anybody, which is a lot of culture, by the way. That has a lot of culture. And I assumed he was an illegal alien. I'm probably right. And I told the judge, I said, Judge, I want to see you in chambers. And he said, No. And I go, Believe me, I want to see you in chambers. Here's the problem, Your Honor. Uh, I believe that this kid is an illegal alien. Whether he is or not, I'm just telling you I believe it. And I'm an officer of the court. And I am so biased against illegal aliens, I'm going to nail this kid. And that is unfair to this guy. I I can't do that to him. And normally, the judge would say, you made up this excuse, you know, just to get out. But he said, Mr. Handel, uh, I listened to your show, so I know you're telling the truth. 
And I, and I was going to nail the kid. I mean, I, or at least I would, pr- would be predisposed. And it, was, it just wasn't fair. I can't do that to him. Uh, it's just can't do it. And the other time was there was a lawsuit against a contractor by a homeowner. Anybody biased? I raised my hand. And why are you biased? Because I used to be a contractor, and that's why I went to law school. I was sued so many times. <laughs> oh, so you don't believe uh, anything? Oh, that, I believe. Yeah, so you don't believe anything that uh, the uh, the customer, the homeowner, would uh, would would claim. That's right. Well, how would you know he's telling the truth or not telling the truth? He opens his mouth and he's lying. Oh, boy. You're excused. So those are the two times I got out. And both were legitimate, incidentally. It wasn't me trying to get out. It was absolutely true. I mean, having having been a contractor in the development business with my brother, been there, uh, it's it's crazy. So uh, it was uh, totally legitimate for me to be bounced out. And if you weren't excused? Uh, I would try, but it, you can't, it's really hard to overcome your bias. Really hard. Everybody says, can you put your bias aside? How do you put your bias aside? Yeah. I mean, le- legitimately. How do people, it's a question of just levels of bias. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, at that time, it was, uh, the, the illegal alien issue was crazy. It was pouring over the border. It was legitimately pouring over the border. And uh, come on. And then the dreamer DACA hadn't existed and, and none of the politics that exist today. And I think uh, illegal aliens at that time were getting virtually the full benefit of all of the services in California. I think they stopped them. If I'm not mistaken, they kept on restricting them through the years. All right. Let's do it, guys. And then uh, there's uh, uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Hi, Handel. And uh, there is Alex and John. Let's do it. Hey, good morning to you two. Oh, and me. Good morning, Bill. Okay. Lead story. There's a weird story um, that, um, well, first of all, horrific. Uh, This uh, is uh, Fairfield, California. uh, Case of child abuse. The investigators came in. Actually, the mother called investigators saying, I have an 11-year-old that's missing. So they came out, they searched the house, and the squalor they found and the evidence of torture they found on these children. I mean, it was just incredible. And it was, uh, the accusation is the father that did it, and the mother just let it happen. So he is in jail on $5 million bond for torture, as well as neglect. She's only being nailed for neglect. But they're saying things like puncture wounds, burns, bruises, signs the kids might have been shot with a pellet gun. Right, and she is saying uh, there was no torture. The reason that the house is looking the way it did, and I'm looking at video of oh, it right it's now. disgusting. Yeah, is because we tore the place apart looking for our son, who we reported missing. You don't pull the door off the hinges yeah. looking for your kid. You don't have feces all over the floor looking for your kid. Now, what, the part that I found weird is uh, she's on the news. She's being interviewed. She's articulate. She is bright. Oh, here she is. Here. All these allegations are ludicrous and all I need is good defense to look into this. If they took all my kids to just get medically examined, they would find absolutely not. These are not true. But the evidence comes from the kids. This Uh, is all the kids' testimony. And they see the puncture wounds. They see the evidence. It's very strange. But you would think uh, that there is she's completely delusional or she's already set up her defense and simply going to argue none of this is true. So there will be a trial, no doubt. 
and the prosecution is going to present evidence of the puncture wounds, evidence of torture, et cetera, the testimony of the kids. And I guess she's going to say none of that is true. It's just, it's what's obvious. It's like the guy who uh, is uh, stooping uh, his, uh, uh, his neighbor's wife and the neighbor comes in and catches them and says, what are you doing? It's not me. You've heard that story many times. They, they wrote a song about it. Did they? Yeah. Oh. What, what me? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Shaggy. You ought you to check it out sometime. <laughs> I should. All right. Well, it looks like we might have a possible 13th murder mentioned in the search warrant when it comes to the Golden State Killer. This is ceasing to be news because the numbers are now starting to rack up to such an extent. What's the difference between 13th or 14th or 18th or 19th at this point? And the judge has put off the decision for a couple more weeks as to whether the media is going to get access to the search warrants and the arrest warrants in this case. Yeah, it's... uh, and other than for the family, of course, the people that knew the victims, uh, it's now we're talking statistics, unfortunately, and uh, it's that horrific. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Also, your chance to win $1,000. All right. We are back. Uh, this is uh, KFI, and good morning, everybody. Mo Kelly is uh, in for Wayne, who's on jury duty. He couldn't get out of it. God, Wayne's an idiot. Handle. Ah, you, you should be able to get out of jury duty. No, think about it. The guy has been an officer of the court for a bazillion years, so they're going to look at him and go, you're the perfect guy. You can be objective. Or maybe, maybe he just has a desire a civil duty where he feels uh, that he should be on on jury duty if he's called could be it too he's an idiot okay uh more handle on the news jennifer jones lee mo kelly and me and before we go into it mo here's your chance to win some cash your shot at one thousand dollars now Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Yep, let's do it. And if you do win, then you're going to get a call from a number you don't recognize. You got to pick it up. Your next chance to win happens next hour and starts 5 o'clock in the morning with me all the way until 7 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday. An update to the story, at least 58 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza protests as the U.S. Embassy kind of sort of opens. We shall over. Oh, no. It opened. Kind of, sort of. It opened, but it's not like open for business. It was more ceremonial. I think that was, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't open for business today. But that's not the point. It's uh, it's still basically a consulate. Yeah, it is. I guess you could walk in there and, and be granted asylum. Uh, yeah, Now you can. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're actually, they have... The majority of their functions have been. They don't. In. They don't because you have Tel Aviv uh, that has 800 people in, which is now the consulate, used to be the embassy, and you have far fewer in the now embassy, the consulate. It takes years to build a consulate. They have to buy the land or it's given to them by the government. And then to uh, certainly uh, design and develop a plan for a consulate, that's no small, small issue. It has to be a secured facility. Oh, very mm-hmm. secured. All right, so anyway, 58 Palestinians are now dead. 
We're going to talk more about this later on because there's, there's a very complicated issue. And uh, that is the reason there are so many Palestinian young men. They have nothing to lose. They figure there's no hope anymore. They might as well go down. And the problem is, is those people that are arguing Israel should not shoot them or at them. You know, you've got 20,000 or 40,000 that are trying to breach the border. What happens if they actually breach the border and come pouring into Israel? Of course Israel is going to defend. Now, the politics underneath that is something else, but that's not going to change. We're going to talk more with Brian about this uh, later on. Well, there's a little controversy about the pastor who gave the opening ceremony, the, the prayer for the opening ceremony yesterday when the embassy opened. He's a guy who once said Jewish people are going to hell and that Hitler was part of God's plan to return the Jews to Israel. But I'm gonna pray. That's a tough one. Um, well, it's it's a very complicated issue. Uh, really? With evangelical Christians, yeah, with uh, Israel. Uh, because they're fanatically pro-Israel. To the point where there is a minister-level, essentially a cabinet member in Israel that deals nothing except evangelical uh, Christians that are coming to Israel. Yeah, I don't think it's all that complicated. It's just American politics. The American political party of Christianity. I know, because here's the religious part, okay? And you're right in many in, on the politics front. But here is uh, the religious part, is evangelical Christians obviously believe that uh, the Messiah is Jesus. And, the, and Jesus came, was a Jew and came out of Israel. Right. And Israel uh, is simply part of the Messiah, Jesus, coming back. And sending us into whatever world Jesus sends us into. Obviously, I'm highly religious here. Uh, But the point is that the state of Israel is simply part of the move to accept Jesus. Mm -hmm. And at this point, Israelis, Jews will never accept that. I mean, that's just not part of the culture. But you know what? We don't care. You're helping us. You know, we love the fact that you're fanatically, fanatically pro-Israel. Enemy of my enemy is my friend? Basically. But But in a way, if you square that... I, there's a couple of Israelis who are very clever. And I don't know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, uh, they leased a piece of land on the River Jordan where the water is about waist high. And they built a religious center for actually Christians where they put ramps, concrete ramps in and guardrails. It's like a baptized people? That's exactly what they do. And they baptize people by the thousands. When an evangelical group comes to Israel... This is not a family or 10 or 20 people. They come by the thousands. There are dozens of buses. And the pastor sits there uh, and baptizes people. And there was, oh, God, this is a story that Marjorie would love to share, loves to share. So here we are at, quote, the River Jordan, where John the Baptist, by the way, did baptize, uh, where he did baptize Jesus. Just ask these two Israelis who leased the land. Okay, it's right. it happened right there. So they're, they're a group of, uh, it happened to be African-American uh, uh, Christians who were there, an African-American church, one of the mega churches. And the line snaked around probably 200 people. And I, I go down to my underwear, because a lot of people do, and I just stand in line. I'm going to be baptized. And Marjorie said, what the hell are you doing? I just want to do it for the hell of it. Of course you did. And uh, yes, literally for the hell of yeah, it. that's exactly right. And she <laughs> she stopped at Cole. She goes, Bill, you're not going to do that. You are not going to do. That. I was fully prepared. 
only because of just the whole, you know, and then they sell the holy water, uh, you know, from the churches on the holy land. And uh, the, the holy water is hilarious because the priest uh, runs in the back, turns on the faucet, uh, the, the water hose fills up water bottles and comes out and goes, this is holy water and it's $8 a little bottle. You know what holy water is. It's just blessed. Uh, yeah, but, but not from the faucet outside. You know, yeah, the, actually, the, gar- no, the garden hose. It's not Come the on. water. It's, what's, it, it's, it's how it's blessed after. Yeah, it's the garden hose water. Okay, we're Low done. No move. He's going to get hit by lightning this morning. And I don't want to take the bolt for him. No. Uh, all right. Move. You know what? Let's take a break, and we'll come back. Enough of religion. All right. KFI handle here. It is a Tuesday, May 15th. Uh, please donate. To help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California for a $400 donation, you and a desk, uh, guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all of us, KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an inclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Skyscape in downtown LA. You have to be 21. 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited number of tickets. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the word is Mixer. And uh, some of the top stories that we are covering are those uh, kids up in Fairfield. Uh, Ten were taken into protective custody, one of those horror torture stories. And then later on, we're going to talk about what's going on in Gaza and uh, uh, what the demonstrations, uh, what's going on today. Because remember, they're, I think, nine or ten hours ahead of us right now. I always get confused. Daylight savings times and not. I think there are nine. I think it's nine hours right now. All right. Back we go. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Mo in for Wayne and me. First Lady Melania Trump underwent successful procedure for what they term a benign kidney issue. Oh, Melania, does he really love? Yep. They're saying it was a tumorous tumor. Kidney stone, maybe? Uh, no, I don't think it was a kidney stone. I think it was a tumor. Mm. And uh, they go in and cut off its blood supply. And it's uh, theoretically, well, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, although I do play one on radio. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. It's interesting that they didn't say anything until after the procedure. Yeah, usually you go in. That's true. Usually it's beforehand. Yeah. Maybe it was, it was an emergency thing. Maybe she was having pains or something and they had to take her in and that's when they found it. Maybe. Could be. Well, that was benign. This one, for former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, was not. Pancreatic tumor. Now that is serious. They say his doctors caught the problem early during a routine screening. And it sounds like they found it. Got it early enough. Got it early enough, and he should be okay, they say. Because once it hits, I think, stage three, it's over. You're done, especially the pancreas. Yeah, Yeah. you're finished. He does. And there are no symptoms. Yeah, that's true. This next story, I'm not so sure. I'm calling BS on it, but a toddler has died and twin sisters in critical condition after both fell into backyard pool. Why are you calling it BS? Because in the early evening hours of April 29th, the story is supposedly that Michaela and her sister Maya, they're only 17 months old. That's key. They managed to push a screen off a breeze window and climb out of the home into the 11,000 block of Steeplechase Drive. 
That's oh. a lot for now, a 17-month-old no, kid to no. do. No, they're already walking by a years. Believe me, they can do that. A- and push out a screen? Yeah, because if the screen is not particularly secured well, uh, they can push out a screen. Believe me. Uh, oh, yeah, at 17 months, this is experience talking. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have a whole story about that, but it's going to take too long. They can do it. Mo, is your skepticism that the parents are saying the kids pushed out the screen and maybe the screen was already open or off or whatever? It could be any combination of things because obviously they're telling the story. Right. And one of the things is, now, uh, this is, where did this take place? This is here in California, right? In Moreno Valley. Oh, yeah, Moreno Uh, Valley. Yeah. Uh, Now, the law is real simple, and that is uh, you have to be able to lock the doors. I think you have to have an alarm if the kids leave, or you enclose the pool. And we had one of those temporary enclosures, you know, where that uh, sort of fancy, plasticky thing that you put the poles in the ground, because we always had that, because our kids are running around like crazy. But it is not BS. It happens all the time, oh, unfortunately. And they were both unsupervised? Well, it happened while uh, parents were asleep. The kids were inside the house, and they just said they dozed off. Uh, that, unfortunately, I think that is some form of neglect. Although, uh, when I was, uh, you know, when I was supposed to take care of the kids and my and Marjorie was out shopping and she left me alone, I fell asleep on the couch and uh, they were coloring uh, two, three years of age. Marjorie came home and all the walls had crayon on them. The kids oh. decided to make modern art of all the walls. We had to repaint the walls. Let me tell you how happy Marjorie was with me. Uh, but that, and I fell asleep. And so it does happen. Oh, I believe parents fall asleep. I, I'm not yeah. so sure they were that strong. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised, 18 year, uh, 17 months old. Well, there are a whole lot of parents out there who are surprised by this story. Did you know that if you've had a baby since 1983, the state has that baby's DNA? That's too much blood. No. I know they take uh, a blood sample. Right, they prick right. the baby's toe. Right, and then run a bunch of uh, tests to find out. But I didn't know they kept the blood. They say that once they prick the baby's toe and then they run those tests, whatever is left over is property of the state. And since 1983, this has been protocol. Now, I don't think they've ever used that information. Well, we don't know. Do we? Because well, a lot of parents are saying, this. okay, and the, the state's going, hey, we tell you about this. This is on page 13 or 14 of a pamphlet that you're given as, an, as a parent. Who's reading that? Who Whoever paid attention that their kid's DNA was taken or that their kid's blood was now property of the uh, state? It's much like uh, when you, okay, when you accept the terms of a new app. Yeah, exactly. You know, Who 48 that? pages that you need a microscope <laughs> to read. The NFL is at, is going to ask Congress to put in a framework for betting. We're going to do a lot more at 7 o'clock on that one. Oh, yeah. It's going to explode it. It just explodes betting all over the country. And given you have uh, smartphones, and this is not just where you just uh, where you log into a site. They're talking about working with these gambling companies specifically oh, with yeah. sponsorships and you want Congress to somehow put a framework in place? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because 97% of sports betting in the United States is illegal. 3% is legal. And it will Every continue football, to be illegal on some level because regardless of the framework you put in, people are still yeah. going to work around it. Yeah, well, the reality, and I think you're right. The reality is do you go to a sports book to bet on the Super Bowl or you do a an office pool? Oh, yeah. Who's going to go to a sports book? Yeah. Uh, it's... I don't know how you can regulate this. Well, you can if you go to a sports book, but you're right. right. 
you know, how do you do that with an office pool? I go to my brother's uh, house every single year when we do uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and there's always a big chart he puts up. Squares. And there you go, illegal betting. All right, let's take a break. Uh, We will come back and finish up Handle on the news on this Tuesday morning. in quite a while. I think we lost him for good this time. I could hear Alex all the way through the wall yelling, Bill! <laughs> Maybe he lost his voice altogether. He went to go find it? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, there he is. Casually walking back. He's got no his rush. Diet Coke in hand. You know, I hate it when the show gets in the way of me going down the hall and... Uh, Going to the re- restroom, getting a Diet Coke, sometimes making coffee. So, and they won't let me have a coffee machine here, a refrigerator in here, or a urinal here on the wall. So, it's their fault, is what you're saying. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Oh, for sure. Okay, guys, you ready to do it? Let's do it. As we finish up handle on the news, Jennifer Jones Lee, Mo Kelly, and for Wayne, and me. And there is a Riverside coffee shop, a coffee shop in Riverside called the Coffee Bean that refused to serve a man after he went on a racist rant. All around the world, love women every shade of... hey, this crazy guy, crazy racist, sees a woman in a hijab and starts screaming at her, you're a Muslim, effectively you're a terrorist, is this Halloween or something? Here's what he said. Because I don't like your religion, it says to kill me and I don't want to be killed by you. How's that? Are you scared of me? Have you read the Quran? Yes, I've read enough of it to know. Yeah, I've read enough of it to know. Do you believe he has looked at one word of the Quran? Come on. And and God bless the uh, the management and the other people in the the coffee shop screaming at him, you racist, and uh, management just tossing him out. Oh, yeah. Or or refusing to serve him. Yeah, listen, I mean, they were cussing at the guy. Racist? You. Shut the up. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. I wish he would go up to someone who is actually more formidable. It's one thing if you're going to pick on a woman, but go up yeah. to um, a Muslim man yeah. and talk that same mess. Or a guy who uh, is a transgender, a big football player, right. who not only is has converted to Islam, but also is uh, a woman yeah, and wearing a hijab. Boy, that would be interesting. Uh, it's a visual. Do you remember? The, do you remember when the, of course you do, when the, uh, the students or the Americans were held hostage in Iran. Sure. And there was no Iranian that could walk around the streets without being hated and attacked. And we're talking about Iranians who live here who fled the 1979 revolution, who hate uh, the Shah and hate the government. Theocracy is more than any one of us. And they were being attacked simply because they were Iranian. The good news is uh, far fewer Muslims are being attacked just for being Muslims. I, I guess. Okay. Well, good. Good analysis. I, mean, I guess. I'm just saying. Just because. Well, so, well done. You, you call it like it's 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 better in a. In it's a, better. Yeah, but that's like putting a knife in your back seven inches and you take it out two inches. It's still five inches in your back, and you say it, but that's, it's better. But, but it's better than seven inches. Not really. And no. It, by the way, it's It'll a really kill good analysis. You tell me where five inches is ever better than seven inches. Let's move on. Well played. Thank you.
Politicians who sparked anti-sanctuary state wave in California, they're going to meet with the president. Get up, stand up. Yeah. And his invitation. And it's actually gaining a lot of steam. We, we know about Los Alamitos, uh, Mayor Troy Edgar, but also you have other cities more in the Orange County area who have well, even the joined the effort. Right. Even the supervisor, Michelle Steele, uh, supervisor. Now, I wonder what the other four supervisors are thrilled because they all voted uh, in favor of getting rid of sanctuary cities. And so how come we can't go to the White House? Where do you think this is going to go legally? I mean, they're arguing the supremacy clause, and I get that, but... It's, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. I have no idea which way the court's going to roll on this one. Okay, big news. Uh, National Guard troops. Yep, the initial deployment has arrived at the international border. Actually, I had a very good day. Yeah. 51. Boy, there's news. 51. That's going to change everything. They're supposed to... Get to the front lines, do border oh, security. Stop it. stop it. 51 people. Come I, on. I, yeah. Later on, I'm going to do a uh, story of uh, how dangerous it is to be a border patrol agent and the poster child arguing, the poster child story of arguing how dangerous border patrol work is, which is a crock. It's like this. 50. Out of what? How many agents are there? 20,000? Thousands. Yeah, I don't know how many. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. support staff and civilians that work for the Border Patrol, et cetera. 51 people are going to show up, and they're going to do so much. Come on. Really? It's like the staff of KFI. Yeah. We're all going to show up at the border. Yeah. The D.C. Circuit orders U.S. to submit information about uh, attorney-client eavesdropping at Guantanamo. Yeah. This is a problem. Because you, attorney you know client. they were. You know they oh, were eavesdropping. They were. Of course they were eavesdropping. <laughs> the appeals court acted in a case filed by two lawyers who resigned from representing the accused mastermind of the 2000 bombing of the USS Cole after finding a microphone in their meeting rooms. Now, prosecutors are uh, prosecutors have said the microphone was installed in the room for interrogations but was never turned on during attorney-client meetings. Wink, wink. Yeah. Right. B.S. Of course they were listening. And the only argument they could possibly have is terrorism trumps constitutional rights. Yeah. That's it. And it doesn't fly in America. We're talking about Guantanamo, okay? Yeah, I know there are <laughs> rules about Guantanamo. They can be held without due process. They certainly can be held uh, virtually an unlimited amount of time because they're considered combatants, not on American soil. We get all that. But come on, talking to their lawyer? Come on, really? Yeah. I'm not surprised. Right. Attorney, I'm not surprised yeah. either. But, I mean, that that does cross the line. I mean, that does. Except I'm in favor of the, of, uh, the government. Being held without due process oh, totally. doesn't bother oh, you. Oh, no, it doesn't bother you. That no, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. All right, we're coming back. Uh, and the battle over sports betting. And, Mo, jump in on this one, would you? Would you stay sure. with us, Mr. Sportsman extraordinaire? And that is uh, yesterday, Supreme Court ruling on sports betting changes everything this is kfi am 640 kfi handle here on a uh, tuesday morning uh, may 15th some of the top stories that we are covering uh the golden golden state killer is now accused of yet another 
murder. I think that's now 13. And uh, what's going on with Gaza right now, in real time, uh, there are uh, new clashes going on. Brian Suits joins us at 8 o'clock for Tactical Tuesday, and he has, as always, some inside information. And not only do we get inside baseball, but we also get information at, uh, through his contacts of what's going on at this moment. All right, yesterday, Mo had uh, run in and said Supreme Court has just announced, this was yesterday morning, has just announced that it had overturned a 1992 uh, federal law, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which barred uh, state-authorized sports gambling, with some exceptions. And I don't want to go. I don't want to go into the wonk. Now that law made Nevada the only state where a person could wager on the results of a single game, sports books, effectively baseball games, football games, uh, hockey games. Couldn't do it. Except in the, for example, the hotels have sports books, right? Uh, which uh, Rich Murata, who is uh, used to be our sports guy, lives at in uh, Reno. Literally lives at. Literally lives <laughs> at. He has a tent uh, right there. He considered himself a homeless person right there in the corner of the sports bar, and that changed everything. So Mo, I've asked you to join me because uh, you are a sports guy extraordinaire. So let's talk about what this means, and uh, because this is very far-reaching. This is a sea change. It's a sea change because not only does it involve people who will be betting on sports, but also the sponsorship opportunities as far as corporations and companies which will be working with not only the sports leagues, but you have to wonder how it's going to impact college sports as well. You have to wonder about whether this makes the argument to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame in baseball, whether that is now a moot argument. Uh, Baseball has long been against any type of sports betting, especially people who are involved with baseball. Well, I'm assuming that even though it's going to break wide open, I'm assuming that no player would be allowed to bet on sports, anybody who is active in the sports world. Although Pete Rose never bet on baseball games, did he? No, he did. He eventually came out and admitted that he did. But the, the problem or is... Games, not games that he played in. No, I not can't played imagine. in, but okay. games that he managed. Really? Yes. Oh, that's enough yes. to toss you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but the problem is many of the sports leagues were afraid of how cozy gamblers would get to either officials, players... Because if if they're allowed in the building in a metaphorical sense, then they have complete access to players. I'm, I'm assuming they do. But uh, here's the fear. Here was the fear of uh, not letting players get involved uh, is, of course, the fear of throwing a game, which yes. happened in 1919 at the World Series uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals, I think. A Chicago Black Sox. I knew that. One of those two. Yes. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis, they're right next to each other. Uh, the, the point is on this one is that... The fear is exactly what you said. All of a sudden, people are going to throw games. Realistically, do you think that's going to happen? I think it has already happened. Uh, We know that there was an NBA official, Tim Donaghy, who was involved in a point-shaving scandal with the NBA. They say it wasn't a conspiracy, that he acted alone. But there is a historical precedent. It's happened on a collegiate level with Arizona State basketball. So there are reasons to be concerned. And as there are so now even billions of dollars pouring into this, and you have the uh, burgeoning debate about whether college players should be paid, there's going to be even more of an enticement for people to fall prey to this. All right, so let's talk about what this actually means in terms of sports betting, other than the possibility of throwing a game. 
And that is uh, Las Vegas is going to get hurt pretty badly on this because there'll be sports books all over the country, won't yeah. there? It used to be where you'd have only off-track betting for horse racing and those smaller casinos like we had at Hollywood Park. But now it opens up those tracks to have just to be a full-blown sports book. You could, I don't know how the zoning is going to work, but you could have a sports book virtually anywhere at this point. And so it, it negates the need for us to drive to Las Vegas to do our prop mm-hmm. bets for MMA or anything no. else. It's interesting how Las Vegas and owners of casino, Sheldon Adelson, fought like crazy. Every measure to legalize gambling in California was fought, 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 mainly on moral grounds, which is hilarious. Right. Las Vegas fought gambling because of the morality. <laughs> I mean, it's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, but you pointed out, does this really that big a deal because... Uh, 97% of the betting in this country is illegal anyway. And is it going to stop office pools? Who, let's no. say you go to a sports book, who would actually go to a sports book to bet on a football game? Oh, a lot of people. Because, so it really does oh, matter. Yes. It, yeah. People have been looking for a legalized way to bet on their sports teams. This just brings it into the daylight. In the, in the way that we've always had people were running numbers, well, lotteries br- brought that into the daylight. People have long been betting on sports teams. This gives them an easier way to do it. All right. So it is, it's going to change. Uh, I'm guessing, the, for example, football pools. Those aren't going to go away. No, but, but it will allow you to, in the way that we play fantasy football, it allows you to bet on your team or you can have prop bets for players. Maybe the, in, in the New England Patriots game, the first team to score seven points or the first team to kick a field goal. Those are the prop bets which usually go on in Las Vegas. Now you can do that at, at um, Santa Anita. Presumably. And a few people are going to get a little upset. Bookies are probably going to be out of business. No, it'll be a different form of bookie. It'll be a legalized bookie in the way. No, I understand, but but bookies as we know it. Yeah, but but we legalized marijuana in, in California. It did not put drug dealers out of business. Okay, fair enough. All right, coming up, uh, failure to report child abuse. And that's a story. And then uh, I've got a personal story about that, too. I just want to share that with you and how crazy it can get. And your chance to win $1,000. Thanks, Mo. Handle here on a uh, Tuesday, May 15th. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. And don't forget you're going to get a call from a number you don't recognize, so you got to pick it up in order to win, and you have a chance to win starting every day, Monday through Friday at the 5 o'clock hour during wake-up call, all the way until 7 o'clock at night. All right, back we go. Uh, the big stories that we're covering, uh, Gaza is happening right now. We'll talk to Brian Suits about that at 8 o'clock. And the Golden State Killer is now being charged with a 13th murder. All right. uh, A story about child abuse that just came out in the Daily News. And that is the fact that even though it is law, 1963, the Child Abuse and Neglect Reporting Act, uh, it uh, first passed in 63. This one was adopted in 1980. The number of people who have to report potential child abuse is everybody that deals with kids. Clergy, social workers, teachers, uh, doctors, everybody. And here is what is not happening, is that these people are reporting potential child abuse. And you go, how is that possible? Well, there are a couple reasons why they're not. First of all, 
you've got these professionals that are very leery of accusing parents. Kids get banged up. Kids fall. If you remember, if you have children or when you were a kid, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, I broke my bones like 11 times, and I'm not really exaggerating. I mean, I was throwing myself uh, off jungle gyms and playing ball, and I mean, I was breaking bones like crazy. Uh, Was that ever child abuse? Of course not. However, if I went in uh, at today with that same thing, especially the third or fourth time that I'd broken a bone, you bet that there would be uh, contact with the authorities, even though it's uh, perfectly innocent. And kids have a way of saying that, no, my parents didn't do it. So the number of people that are actually reporting child abuse is relatively small. And that seems to be a problem. But I'm going to give you the other side of the coin, too. You go, that's horrible, that's terrible. Well, how far can you go with that? I mean, do you give the benefit of the doubt, and that's every time a kid goes in with a bruise? So here is a story. Uh, My daughter at uh, six or seven took a tumble down the stairs. And we didn't know whether her arm was broken or not, so we immediately took her to the doctor. And what the doctor did is ask Marjorie to leave the room and asked my daughter, do your parents hit you? And Marjorie hit Barbara once when she was a toddler, once. Smacked her across the bottom when she broke away and ran into traffic or ran across the street. Good whack on the bottom, don't do that again, once. And we talked about it. She knew it had happened. Of course, she forgot. So what does she say? Yeah? Yeah, my mom hit me. Thank you. Next thing we know, a social worker shows up at the door. We'd like to talk to you, please. So the assumption was made in that case. Of course, uh, they immediately looked and talked and realized that that was crazy. But that's one of the fears and why a lot of uh, doctors, social workers, teachers don't. Unless it is truly a case of that is so obvious uh, Gabriel Fernandez, for example, I mean, who was murdered by uh, his uh, parents and the social workers blew it. And then the reporting was made. But here's what ends up happening is that you take few of these cases that are just horrific, depraved cases. And then the broad, the broad brush is now used. We're going to talk about the broad brush uh, later on, too. Uh, when we talk about the Border Patrol and how dangerous it is to be a Border Patrol agent. You take a case and it blows up. But here's the other side of that coin or this coin. I always try to give both sides of it because there, it, nothing is ever easy in life, ever. There's always five sides. And this one is, do you go so far as to go ahead and report if there is a possibility? Well... That's every kid going to the doctor. Every kid who's taken a tumble. Every kid who's got smacked by parents. And incidentally, is corporal punishment in and of itself child abuse? A lot of people would say yes. A lot of people would. I mean, our history at home is once. In the history of my kids. 
Oh, that's no, that's not true. Now I smack up and down the face a lot when they spend uh, way too much money on my credit card. But I can't get, uh, there's no way I'm going to get nailed for child abuse, not when they're 22. <laughs> Jennifer, you're looking at me. Uh, uh, I just hope your daughters have a lot of therapy happening right now. Uh, they actually, a lot of medication and therapy. <laughs> That's well, they should. Actually, the three of us share a lot of medication. Marjorie's the only one that doesn't take medication. Why does that not surprise me? Yeah. And uh, and we share the kids. You know, the uh, the parents that share medication together, stay together oh, with the kids. We do, trade. we do a lot of father-daughter stuff at my house, as in take our pills. Instead of pass the carrots and peas at the table, it's pass the... Lithium and the... wasn't lithium. <laughs> I don't know. It's Lamictal. Lamictal. It's Lamictal. I knew it started with an L. Yeah, it's Lamictal. All right. Uh, coming up, California's defiance of the immigration law and just how difficult it is. It's not just a question of saying no to ICE agents by, the, uh, by law enforcement here in California. Oh, it's a lot more complicated than that. And we'll be back with that one. KFI AM 640. And all the girlies say I'm pretty fly. For a white guy. KFI handle here on a Tuesday. Some of the top stories that we're covering uh, right now. The demonstrations are going on in Gaza. Uh, we'll talk about that at 8 o'clock with uh, Brian Suits, ta- uh, Tactical Tuesday. And uh, the fact that the Golden State Killer, uh, I, don't, I don't know how big a news this is because he's now been charged with a 13th uh, killing. 13th murder. And, uh, at what point does it not even make news, the numbers anymore? Horrific for families, of course, but in terms of us discussing the numbers, it's quickly becoming a statistic. All right. There is a, uh, another sidebar story to California's defiance of the immigration law, and that is simply how difficult it is to deal with it. Uh, Alameda County Sheriff uh, Sergeant Don Laventure has uh, tried to figure out how to deal with this. And if you go to his office, there's a flow chart. And it's actually a cheat sheet. How to follow the rules imposed by the sanctuary sanctuary state law. And if you look at the chart, it is a collection of arrows. Some point sideways, some down. Uh, some towards uh, the ICE folks, some pointing away from the ICE folks. And he said, we have to let everyone who sits here and deals with this know how it works because not everybody knows what's going on. Because a, a lot of public officials, say, a lot of public safety officials in state say, you know, this, we just don't know what to do about it. And more importantly, they say the law is putting people at risk. That's the politics of it. Now, Officially, it's known as the California Values Act and now prohibits nearly all communication between local law enforcement and federal immigration agents. It all started with you can't allow uh, inmates to be put on hold. In other words, ICE would go to the local authorities and say, we have a guy who we want to pick up for violation of immigration law. We want to deport him. And... You have to tell us, or we're asking you to tell us when he's going to be released. And if he is scheduled for release, you put a hold on it until we show up. In other words, keeping him in a state prison or a county jail 
even when scheduled to be released pending ice showing up. Well, that one fell pretty quickly. And now it has gone to the point where there are there's no office space for ice uh, in the uh, in the jail system. Uh, the ice people will not be informed that there is, even if they know there is an illegal alien who otherwise would be deported, can't call the folks at ice. There are some exceptions and that uh, people under the law who have been deemed dangerous, who uh, have been convicted of felonies, who are on their ninth deportation order. Uh, that one is, of course, uh, that one, even even those people that are uh, against the sanctuary state laws, I, can't, I don't think they can argue. So uh, what do they do about this? And you have a real problem politically. Because while all this is going on, and it's simply difficult for the states to deal with this, then you have simply the politics. While that is going on, keep in mind, you've got the federal government having sued California to enforce its policy. You have California passing a sanctuary state law saying, not only are we not going to help you out, in many cases, we're going to protect the inmate because we simply, and we don't, we don't agree. We don't think immigration is a problem in this state. Matter of fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, as far as many people in the state are concerned and the legislature, the problem with immigration laws is that the United States is enforcing them. That even though it doesn't look like the state of California will be able to overturn basic immigration law, which, of course, it can't because that's federal law, they're going, they've gone so far, okay, we can't overturn the law, but our idea is to not enforce the law. And therein lies a constitutional issue. Does a state have the right to not enforce a federal police agency which has asked the state or wants to interfere, if you will, and they consider that interfering with the way a state treats its inmates. I mean, believe me, that one's going up to the Supreme Court. There's no question about it. In the meantime, you have law enforcement officials that are saying, you know what? We don't want these guys out there. We really don't. Misdemeanors, for example, uh, if, uh, if it's a nonviolent misdemeanor, those folks are not going to get deported. Does a state government or a county government or a city government, police departments, do they have a duty to aid the federal law enforcement, in this case ICE, do they have a duty to aid ICE or do they have a duty to uh, the illegal aliens, and I think it's obviously that's the case, to not help ICE and in many cases get in the way. Get in the way of the feds doing what the policy and the law says. Again, that's going up to the Supreme Court. It's a philosophical issue. It's that simple. And it has a lot to do with how we view the entire immigration issue. And as you know, under the Trump administration, it's pretty harsh when it comes to illegal aliens. And under California law and Uh, Under the philosophy of California, this is probably the best state in the union to be an illegal alien, for sure. When you look at, for example, uh, 
in-state tuition. Illegal alien kids, dreamers are, uh, well, not even dreamers. I think uh, virtually anybody is entitled to grants, whether illegal or not. You know, where do you go with this? So any, any way you paint it, it's going to be a real tough, tough situation. And uh, just another quick one, if we have time for this. Uh, in, if you remember in February, the mayor of Oakland announced publicly that ICE intended to conduct a series of immigration raids, saying that's where immigration is going to nail you. They're going to go out at 10 o'clock in the morning next week on a Tuesday. Immigration is going to raid offices and they're going to raid various uh, locations, what, Home Depot uh, driveways? And see, there it is. Is she violating the law or is she simply helping illegal aliens live in this state? Why? Because they have a right to be here just like you do and I do. Because as you've seen, many placards, uh, whenever there's a demonstration, people are not illegal. Yeah, they are. There are people that are that are illegal. It's that simple. Now, what you do with them, how harsh you go, keep in mind, I'm in favor of the dreamers. You know, you know where I sit. I'm sort of a modified anti-immigration person. And it has a lot. And your heart goes out to these people. There's no question about it. Someone coming over the border to feed kids. But then where do you draw the line? Well, for many people, there is no line. All right. Coming up. The Trump administration saying that uh, Border Patrol agents, it is so dangerous to be a Border Patrol agent and more so. I'm going to give you a a little bit of a reality check. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here. It is a uh, Tuesday morning, May 15th. Some of the big stories that we're covering, of course, uh, Gaza. The demonstrations are going on right now, and uh, we haven't gotten the number of how many Palestinians have been killed this time around and wounded, but I'm sure we will. Uh, Brian Suits is going to join me at 8 o'clock. We'll talk uh, somewhat about that. All right. Now, here is a quote from the president. And every president, every single president exaggerates, some more than others. Then there's Donald Trump who's on a whole new level of exaggerating and sometimes simply not telling the truth. I know a lot of people don't use the word liar. I have no problem with lies. But here's a speech uh, that he made uh, before he has asked the governors to send the National Guard troops down. He tweeted that the border is, quote, very dangerous, and then all caps, very dangerous, and getting more dangerous. Vice President Mike Pence, uh, March 1 speech to Homeland Security, called it shocking and unacceptable Acceptable that attacks on our Border Patrol agents have increased 73% last fiscal year. And members of Congress, a lot of them, mostly GOP, uh, have echoed the notion that Border Patrol agents face extraordinary and rising dangers from drug smugglers and gang members. Well, unfortunately, that's not true. Because uh, a president administration has to justify whatever it's going to do, 
and does so with some underlying reasons. Uh, it's Well, let me give you uh, a couple of stats, and this comes from the Border Patrol. Uh, assaults against the almost 20,000 agents of the Border Patrol have actually been dropping, uh, not rising. Now, there was a surge uh, in fiscal 2017. See, that proves it. Uh, even though uh, that surge has fallen a third through the end of March compared to last year. So let's talk about the surge itself. Boy, it has exploded, hasn't it? Well, here's the problem on that one. Uh, the Border Patrol simply changes methods of counting assaults. What they did is switched over to the method the FBI and federal other federal law enforcement officials use. Uh, for example... Okay, in one incident last year in Texas, six people uh, threw rock sticks and bottles at seven Border Patrol agents. According to the FBI and federal law enforcement policy, uh, that is recorded as seven assaults. If there are four people involved and rocks are thrown, that's not a single assault. That's four. Now, under its new methodology... They multiply these six attackers times the three types of projectiles that were thrown times seven agents. So that particular incident, six people uh, throwing rocks at, I think, seven law enforcement officials or several Border Patrol. The total of assaults was 126. That is a lot of assaults, even though it happened in one incident. So, again, you can do anything with statistics, anything, anything. I'll tell you what's a far, far greater danger is just being a cop. That's all. Just being a cop. So how many agents have been, quote, feloniously killed in the line of duty since uh, 2015? Well, there was an agent by the name of Isaac Morales who was stabbed to death uh, in an off-duty fight outside of a bar in May of 19, uh, 2017. And here's why it's considered a line-of-duty death. It wasn't on the border. It had nothing to do with smugglers. It was a fight, and he said he was a Border Patrol agent, and he was killed. That makes it a line-of-duty death. Same period, the FBI, uh, the FBI reports 179 cops were feloniously killed. Now, there are a lot more Border Patrol agents or a lot more police officers in the country than there are cops. And again, we're playing with statistics. But the bottom line is that far fewer Border Patrol agents are being nailed, being attacked, having a dangerous job. And there's a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, the apprehensions are pretty low. Most Border Patrol agents uh, have relatively few encounters with illegal aliens. And it's just not that dangerous. Illegal aliens crossing the border are simply not folks that are doing anything other than crossing the border. Their motivation is not a criminal act. Well, legally it may be, but their motivation is not to commit a crime. Their motivation is to come to the United States for its economic uh, its economic opportunities. That's it. So, again, 
Uh, whenever the president makes a statement, you have to sort of look at it with a grain of salt. Because even people that are very, very pro-Trump, and I ask these people, I say, come on, really? Was he really born in Kenya? Really? Were there really far more people at that inauguration? Was the picture photoshopped? Well, that doesn't matter. Is the president not a womanizer? Well, we give him a pass. Because that's just the way he rolls. So therefore, do we take him at his word that being a Border Patrol agent is one of the most dangerous jobs in the United States? Even though the very numbers by the Border Patrol show the opposite. And it's becoming far, far safer, actually. All right, coming up, Tactical Tuesday with Brian Suits. We have the Gaza violence that's going on right now. And uh, hopefully uh, some Korean news, too. KFI AM 640. What have we got here? A comedian. <laughs> you little scumbag. I've got your name. I've got your ass. And uh, this is uh, KFI. Bill Handel here on a uh, Tuesday morning, uh, May 15th, uh, as we speak. Uh, there, is, there are demonstrations that continue on in uh, Gaza. Today is Nakba, which is the day of catastrophe. That's Arabic for catastrophe. Yes. When the state of Israel declared its independence May 15th, 1948. This is Brian Suits. Well, I'm not, but he is over here. Brian heard every uh, Saturday and Sunday here on KFI, 10 to midnight on Saturday and 8 to 10 on uh, Sunday all right, uh, you have uh, a lot of connections going on in the military and uh, a lot of insight, Brian, to, to what's going in. So let's talk a little bit about not only the military part of what's happening, and it's fascinating, as you were describing, with the drones and uh, the way Dropping that... tear gas by $50 drone, right? Right yeah. onto Al Jazeera. All right, so what's happening? This is day four. Uh, the, the, the deal is the Israelis... When you are in the West Bank in Ramallah and you have a demonstration, the Israelis will bring non-lethal. They'll bring plastic bullets, which are not rubber, uh, and they they work by me shooting them off the pavement, and then with a lower velocity, they hit you in the shins, and then you rethink about what your life choices, and you go home. Um, you can't do that here in Gaza because this is a board. This is not uh, the Israelis are not occupying Gaza. They left Gaza 15 years ago, remember? This was supposed to end. This crap was supposed to end because they handed it over to the Palestinians. So this is an international border. This is not an and, occupied... And, rec and recognized yeah. as an international border. And it's, but it's run by a terrorist organization called Hamas. And so the Israelis have made a decision, a national decision, not to treat this like a street protest. This is defense of the border. Um, and it doesn't matter that you're 19... Uh, or 29, but if you're waving a machete, chanting, I'm going to slaughter the Jews, and you're and you're trying to break into their border, they're going to treat you like a member of, of an invading army. And the Israelis have not done a good job explaining that to the world. And the, Hamas, as usual, gets to run the table and say, <clears throat> uh, well, we're returning to our homes that were taken 70 years ago. And, of course, now they're on the fourth generation of people who don't have, have, who have no address, no, no idea what address their family left. They, they have no clue. Why, why they're living in refugee camps. But they're they're providing photos of dead infants, of course, and children, the whole thing. You're not seeing the vast majority 
of, of the wounded are military-age Hamas members, guys with uniform photographs on Facebook, portraits yeah. and things like that. So the Israelis aren't doing a real good job. No, and you made a very good point, and that is here you have a border situation where uh, with Hamas, Palestinians, are trying to breach the border. There's no question about the it. The international border. Now, why are they bringing infants and toddlers and teenagers to the border? That's because they don't have smart bombs. That to them, it's as it's more powerful to have a photograph of a dead eight year old than it is to actually, you know, have a competent military or whatever. They'll never catch up or defeat Israel militarily, but they they will yeah. beat them with with a uh, you know obviously with with a, a European press that's barely concealing their anti semitism by showing uh, sympathy towards the Palestinians, and the Palestinians know that. That's what's driving a lot of BBC and all that is. This under-the-service anti-Semitism in Europe. All right, so what's the world doing right now? National security, I mean, the Security Council is uh, meeting, United Nations Security Council. What we're not hearing is occupation. We're not hearing uh, the settlements being built across. We're not hearing uh, any of that because the border in this case is crystal clear. The world recognizes that this is a true international border. Yeah. And, and they're, they're treating it like the Israelis are doing something wrong. And, and and by the way, at the beginning of this U.N. emergency session, they stood for a minute of silence for the 55 dead Palestinians from yesterday. They didn't stand up when Assad gassed people a month ago or six months ago or a year ago. There, there's never been a moment of silence at the U.N. Security Council for, for the gassed 10-year-olds, you know, outside of Damascus or whatever. It's, it's, you, can, you can see exactly that. You can see that the... The, the dice are loaded today, the U.N. Security Council. All right, well, Israel doesn't pay attention, obviously. No. This thing is going to peter out. This is going to be uh, a demonstration, if you will, and that's, I put that in quotes, that's going to go no place. So what happens? So we just go back to where it was. The Israelis defend the border. A couple of hundred Palestinians are dead, and uh, we start all over again. Well, and here's the backstory that I was telling you. This is hilarious because you're not seeing. I, I scanned across CNN, MSNBC. None of them have caught up to this. But on social media, on Arab Palestinian social media, the word is getting out from yesterday that Hamas owes thousands of people the wound fee. If you get wounded by the Jews, uh, they pay between 200 and 500 bucks. If you're killed by IDF, it's several hundred thousand. Well, they're supposed to pay on demand immediately. Guess, you know, they do funerals within 24 hours, right? You're supposed to pay at the funeral. Hamas is stiffing a whole bunch of families. And the word's gotten out amongst young Palestinian men, don't go. Don't go to day two till they pay up for day one. Hamas is, is, is a victim of their own tactic here. Uh, now, one of the things that has been reported, and I totally believe this because I've been obviously following this my entire life, is that it's reached a point where you have these young men uh, unemployed, have no chance for a job, yeah. are living in a country, because it is a, a country whether Israel wants to recognize it or not, uh, and with no future. They might as well go down. They, it's like uh, it's like you it being trapped by a group of terrorists saying, we're going down, but we might as well kill as many as we can. The, the, um, the Gaza and Hamas... <clears throat> Make nothing. The only thing they export are photos of corpses. That's the only thing they make. So for young men, for a lot of young men, uh, that is their way out. That is, that's, you know, their way is to, if you're killed by IDF, you can leave your family a hundred thousand bucks and, and, and go to heaven at the same time. This is, 
they they create desperation uh and and the people who run Hamas are some of the most yeah. corrupt international so, leaders around the world and the deal is if you look on Google Maps check out the coastline of Gaza 20 years ago and then check out what's happened since Hamas has taken over. They all live in villas, brand new oceanside villas with Mercedes in the driveway since Hamas has been in charge for 11 years. So, so how do you fight that? Well, I'm talking about internally when you have two million Gazanians and uh, no place to go. It's the, most, it's the densest place in the world. You, they will. Their government, Hamas, will not allow anyone to be resettled. Uh, the Israelis offered to actually recon- to compensate people for lost property. Remember that. And they went around and they threatened everyone when they answered the poll and it came back 90%. Yes, we would take money for our old property from 70 years ago in Israel. The Palestinian Authority uh, suppressed the the survey. Okay, let's come back. We'll uh, switch gears and talk about Korea, uh, North Korea, South Korea, and the United States. Because uh, it looks like a lot of this is already set in stone. And uh, Brian will join us. In the meantime, uh, there's Jennifer Jones. I, I remember you when you drank my here uh, Tuesday, May 15th. Uh, first, we start with a way for you can win $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. And if you do win, you're going to get a call from a number you don't recognize, so you've got to pick it up or they'll move on to somebody else. Your chance to win happens every hour Monday through Friday, starting at 5 o'clock with Wake Up Call all the way through the Conway Show at 7 o'clock at night. New phone. Who dis? Uh, yeah, exactly. All right. Handle here. And uh, back we go with Brian Suits. Brian, of course, heard uh, every Saturday and Sunday here on uh, KFI, with the Dark Secret Place. I even forget what you call the Sunday show. Super Hyper Local Sunday. Uh, yeah, exactly. That, uh, I'm sure you just said something in English. All right. Uh, leaving Gaza for a moment, uh, let's move over to what's happening in Korea, which would be much bigger news right now, but for Gaza. Yeah, and it is. It has far more to do with the world than what's going on in Gaza. That remember two months ago, the word denuclearization was heard through translation out of North Korea. They never, they didn't mean what we mean by that, which means unnuclear yourself or, or whatever. Their their form of nuclearization means the threat of nuclear war. And so when they say denuclearize, what they've been saying all along is, well, we're going to keep our nukes. That was never a debate. We're just going to promise not to use them. So basically they're just talking about a treaty, which we know is going to happen anyway. Yeah, we are the ones who who anthropomorphized that word and said, oh, that means they're going to denuclearize. No, no, no. Oh, everybody in a uniform in North Korea above the rank of major is saying, wait a minute. We've been, we starved our own people for 20 years to get these. We're not giving them up. You just need to know that right now. And so we're, we're coming around to that. And so the way the deal is going to wind up working – since the North Koreans have stated themselves that the nukes are only for us, they're not for Japan or South Korea or China. They made that, they said in, in their videos and their statements, this is just for the Yankee imperialists. So we're going to agree that they will dismantle their ICBMs, the ones that could reach the east coast of the U.S., and only have intermediate range missiles. And then we will accept like a cap of 10 nukes 
But um, it all comes down to the inspection. It's just like the Iran deal. Mm. And so this is the this is the stiff part. Do the North Koreans allow a neutral party like Swiss inspectors? Because that would be the thing that we need to hold out for. And that's what, what this uh, hey. negotiation is probably going to collapse so, over. Here's a question. Since we know uh, that the primary motivation of the Kims are simply to stay in power. Uh, yeah. That's it. <clears throat> Uh, if Kim Jong-un is comfortable that we are not going to go for regime change and the world is willing to accept him as the head honcho and not try to change anything in North Korea, does he then move towards denuclearization simply because, like most other countries in the world, like Brazil, like Germany, that don't have the bomb? But, but they, because they never felt an external threat. You know, the, for the North Koreans, you're right that that what Mike Pompeo said on Sunday, the Secretary of State, is look, we're not uh, in it for regime change. We want to sign a peace treaty. We're going to recognize you can live, and that then then we'll give Kim the assurance that look, we're not going to try to overthrow right. you, go to war, so you can maybe take bring it down a notch. And he's already said that. Then Pompeo offered, you know, infrastru- infrastructure development. Oh yeah, we're, you know, the whole we thing. know that's going to have yeah. to happen. And and this is where the Chinese the Chinese are, you know, the possibility for foreign investments huge. The Chinese are terrified that we're about to get in there first. When the Chinese would probably uh, <clears throat> they want to lowball us, and they and they probably will anyway. But but 10 years down the road, if what we're seeing, the momentum that we're seeing continues, you might see a North Korean cell phone on the market. You might see a smartphone, so, the Pyongyang 4 So there we go. So w- w- what we're doing is expecting or hoping that Kim simply changes his view of the world, realizing that there really is no threat, because that's the reality. There yeah. is no threat. And that is the source of, it, of his dynasty, his theocracy's power and the military's power, is they've told their people since 1953 that a permanent state of war exists. So what do they do? How do they transition that? Well, they did. Well, you know, those zombies okay. into understanding a world without war. Well, if the Mormons were able to pull it off where polygamy, they woke up in the morning and polygamy was no longer the law of the land uh, because they wanted statehood, and that was overnight. Yeah. Uh, well, why can't North Korea overnight say we have prevailed? You know, you know the United States has agreed to take our terms. And we'll see. We'll see if Kim has the power of the prophet of the Mormon church because he spoke to God and said, we're not going to be a state if we only, if, you know, with, with uh, this, this many wives. If Kim wakes up and says, I've won the war. Right. My nukes have won the war. The war is over. So you're going to see a victory parade. As, and oh, sure. It's going to confuse us. And that's what this destruction of the nuclear test facility is. It's a celebration. It's not a he's not giving anything up. It's a celebration of North Korea becoming a nuclear power and winning uh, whatever war. Yeah. Uh, and so okay. American journalists are going to be there. And you can say, look what I did. I won. And you're watching. This is the victory parade when I destroyed this place. All right. Uh, every Saturday and Sunday, Brian suits. And uh, Brian, uh, what do you have going uh, in terms of you talking to the good folks on a personal level? Um, I'm going to be uh, walking our new dog, Wyatt, later on today on the California Act. Aqueduct. That's it. Yeah, it'll be free if you can find me. <laughs> um, and uh, All right. we will be staying out of your drinking water. All right, Brian, we'll hear from you over from you over the weekend. Coming up, handle on the news late edition. Handle on the news late edition. Handle on the news. He shouted at the man, calling him a racist and using other choice words we can't reveal here. Yeah, of course I was shocked. I mean, uh, anytime you see Bill Handel, you know, explicitly hating people, it's shocking. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right. It is a Tuesday, May 15th. Uh, before we get to Handel on the News Late Edition, we're asking you to please uh, donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California 
your $400 donation, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with the with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the OUE Sky Space in downtown LA, 1,000 feet in the air. You have to be 21, 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited number of tickets for details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is Mixer. And some of the big stories we're carrying today, uh, Gaza's going on right now. Golden State Killer, number 13, he's being charged with. And then we're going to have a little fun, because we get a little heavy on this show. Well, I don't know how much fun this is. I enjoy it. And the question is, is technology distorting history? And I have a couple of audio clips to uh, to play for you. And this is fascinating stuff. We'll do that coming up at 9.30. So in the meantime, why don't we start Handle on the News Late Edition with Jennifer Jones, Lee, Mo Kelly, and for Wayne and me, Lead Story. Apples don't fall from the tree. woman climbed up a tree in Canoga Park, refuses to come down for 12 hours. Uh, the fire department was talking to her. At one point, they brought her food. She refused it. They even tried catnip. And that didn't work. Did you hear what the food was they brought her? No. They gave her a happy meal. Oh! And she wanted to make sure that uh, the drink was Dr. Pepper. Well, good for her. Anyway, they finally brought her down. Uh, They brought the airbag, and uh, it's... She came down on her own. Yeah, she's in in her 30s and homeless and uh, obviously uh, mentally ill. Well, who do they send the bill for that? For the happy meal? Well, that too, but just for the first responders who came Uh, out. I think they tend to suck it up. They send the bill to her. Right, wouldn't they? But she's homeless. Right. <laughs> so what do you do with that, Mo? Well, the Trump administration is going to try and convince a U.S. appeals court tomorrow that it was justified in ending DACA. Head on, head on. And this is the first appeals court decision. I'm sorry, I said tomorrow. I meant today. Yeah, it's right now you have three or four federal judges around the country that have said the Trump administration can't end DACA. Now we're hitting the appeals court. This this is Ninth Circuit, which naturally is the most liberal circuit in the country by a long shot. And uh, this will go to the Supreme Court. There's no question about it. I mean, so. the, the argument has been from the Trump administration that the Obama administration over or exceeded its powers. Right, overreached, right? yeah. Well, at one point, only as to the mandate, not in terms of DACA. Well, the, the Trump administration is arguing that. Right. And they're arguing that the president actually has the power to stop it. And uh, those uh, who are in favor of DACA say, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have the power, which I don't understand how he can't have the power to stop a presidential program That's what, that yeah, was that, started under the Obama era. I don't get it. What it, am I missing here? Yeah, if a president's able Nothing. to start, shouldn't a president be able to stop it? You would think so, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah. I guess once it starts, you can't stop. It's the snowball effect on politics. Once you push it, well, that is the case with taxes. Once you start them, you can't pull them back. And that is the case with entitlement programs. Once you start an entitlement program, it's there forever. So why not with DACA? What happened with the tax law? Didn't President Trump pull back on our taxes? Uh, Yes, but that's the, uh, but that was a Congress. That was an act of Congress. Ah, that is a law that was passed. That the president signed. This is this is not Congress being involved in DACA. Oh, well, speaking of the law and the president and illegal immigrants, there is now a, a surge in audits 
as immigration crackdown shifts to employers. We still have E-Verify as the law of the land. Here, they're fanatic about it. Uh, Mo, they asked for your passport, didn't they? Or your birth certificate? Birth certificate. Um, social security card, driver license. Well, who has a social security card? No, but you have to have like a, I do, as a matter of fact. But yeah. You still have the actual have card? Yes, really? I do. Yes, wow. I do. Do but, you carry it with you? No, I, I have it at home, but yes, I do have it. You know, it's, every, a, it's a collector's go. item. You know that. I when guess. you die, they're going to sell it. <laughs> a Mo Kelly original social security card. It's yeah. like a it's like a, a signature mm. from Abraham Lincoln. Now, my mom, I believe, has my birth certificate, but I have the social security well, card. Well, the birth certificate's easy. You can just get a certified copy, of the, even if you don't have the original yeah. birth certificate. I mean, you can get a, another social security card. It yeah. just takes you a little bit. Yeah, who cares? But uh, I had to prove that I was a citizen. When uh, uh, iHeart bought this, or was Clear Channel bought the company, not my birth certificate because in Portuguese, and they would have a hard time understanding it. You just brought your passport. Yep. Which one? You have more than one. What passport? Yeah. In in, in my name, not the other name that okay. I use. See, I listen to you. I know. All right. So uh, they're just saying, okay, we're going to just stamp down because it is the law that employers must hire. They can't hire illegal aliens. And so the Trump administration says, okay, we want you to prove it, just like the E-Verify program says. Does that also include Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. I'm just asking. No, you're right. It's a good point. Now, here's an interesting one. Sanctuary cities could get a boost from the sports betting ruling made by the Supreme Court yesterday. So... Here's a weird one. The Trump administration opposed the decision of the Supreme Court yesterday, and not because they're inherently against sports betting. No. Because Donald Trump owned a casino. Casino, yeah. yeah. So that, that where he comes from, it's that California is going to benefit so much from this that it's one of those uh, the Republicans feel anything Obama is wrong and Democrats feel anything Trump is wrong without even thinking it through. Well, That's it. it pretty in, much. In Alito's majority opinion yesterday, he said that this the anti-gambling law was, uh, you know, unconstitutional because it dictated when a state legislature what it can do and what it can't do. Well, if that's the case, then also, if you look at it from a sanctuary city aspect, then you can't require state or local officials to cooperate with the feds. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, finish up handle on the news later. And uh, this is KFI, Bill Handel here. Tuesday, May 15th, some of the big stories that we're covering. Tom Wolfe has died. Bonfire of the uh, Vanities, The Right Stuff, terrific book. And uh, STDs. I wouldn't say that's fun, but, uh, well, it can be fun. Just oh, not... you moved on from the Tom Wolfe story. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's uh, STDs in California up by 45%. Hmm. Compared to five years ago. All right. Uh, let's go back and finish up. Handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones Lee, Mo Kelly in for Wayne, who is on jury duty this week, and me. Students and parents allegedly are outraged by a caged tiger at a high school prom in Miami. I know the animal rights people have gone berserk. Uh, Did you see well, the picture in the video of it? Yeah, it's, it's it's in a cage. I mean, you have to admit that it's. You know, the tiger doesn't have a lot to, uh, a lot of room to move, but it was a, uh, what was the theme? Jungle theme, I think. 
but obviously the hotel had to have been okay with this. The school had to have been okay with this. Uh, you would think the students had to have known this was going to happen. This couldn't have been a secret to anyone. Yeah. Don't know. And did they grab it by the tail? That's it. They take turns. You know, it's like the brass ring where they get the high school students grab, grab, and if, never mind. It's, it's a visual. Well, I doubt you can take your emotional support tiger on a plane along with the new ban on things like, oh, I don't know, ferrets, goats, amphibians. Can't take those either. So, I am a simple goat. <laughs> so salamanders are off the table now. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. No hedgehogs, no tusked see creatures. That, see, that makes so much sense because this whole thing of emotional support animals is so crazy. All you have to do is say it's an emotional support animal. And the worst that happens is they throw you off the airplane as opposed to making it a federal offense to bring a fake emotional support animal. You're supposed to have like a note from your doctor. Oh, I mean, those, those, you can to... get on, those you can get on the internet. That's yeah. like medical marijuana. It's but, not that hard. Yeah, but if you get tagged for it, uh, I think it should be interference with a flight crew kind of thing where you can go down for a very long time. Not down in the airplane. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. poor terminology. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So uh, I find that uh, they said no to the peacock. But yeah. you can still, under law, take a miniature horse as a legitimate service animal, not an emotional support animal, a service animal, which up to this in point. In the cabin? Was, yeah, which used to be just dogs. You know, just dogs are service animals, they don't have uh, service ferrets. And they don't have service hedgehogs because those are certified. I mean, they're put through a very extensive training program. Oh, and thousands of dollars to train them. Yeah. But you can have a horse? horse? You can have a miniature horse. Horse. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, my that, Here's a, a quick <laughs> one. Uh, Marjorie would never let a pet ever uh, uh, in our house, ever. And my daughter Pamela really wants a dog. And so, nope, nope, nope. So Pamela does an end around and uh, goes to uh, the doctor, you know, same doctor that gives us all our lamictal, uh, all three of us, <laughs> and uh, got the doctor to write a, note, write a note saying she needs a service dog. <gasps> no. Oh, yeah. You just outed the doctor? Uh, no, because it's... Uh, well, it's legitimate. I well, mean, depending well, on what well, living in my is. living in my family, it's legitimate. Anybody who's my daughter, of yes. course, is legitimate. They should all have support. Animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think we're, I, I we're going to get one. We're going to get a dog. Well, if she legitimately needs one, I think, then why I not? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, And it's... Uh, let me just quickly finish up uh, with just a, a quick story uh, and... So uh, the first time we got a dog at home and Marjorie said, no, 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 no. Pamela uh, said, we're driving along and she's 12 years old and said, dad, I really need a dog to tell it my secrets because I don't have any friends and I need one. I mean, I, she had me wrapped around her finger. So I come home that night and I tell Marjorie we're getting a dog. And she said, absolutely not. I said, I'm telling you, we're getting a dog. And uh, she said, well, it's real simple. It's either me or the dog. And I said, we're getting a dog. <gasps> oh, yeah. No, I said that. And so Marjorie runs off that night, gets in the, gets in the van and goes. God's honest truth. She God, left? She actually left. Uh, and so a couple of hours later, I'm cooking dinner for the girls. And uh, Pamela says, Dad, do you think mom's ever going to come home again? 
And I said, Pamela, I, I don't know. I mean, I think so, but I really don't know. And so help me. She looked at me and said, but we're still getting the dog, aren't we? <laughs> and I said, yes. And we got the dog. It lasted nine months. And, and Marjorie took care of it until we adopted it out. All right, let's do one more story. They finally found out, or experts say they finally found out, what happened to flight MH370. Oh, yeah. Do we have flight 370 music? Kind of, sort of. Ish. Ish. Maybe. Yeah, it looks like the pilot committed suicide and took everybody on board with him. I mean, that's crazy. They're looking at the flight path, and they think he went near his hometown and, and specifically made some turns... Which and, indicate and depressurized, yeah. so everybody was out because you can do it very slowly. You go down and you get depressurization, and people just nod off, and they don't know that they're going unconscious. And it was that's what he did. They think, and then whoosh, right into the ocean. Uh, a Egyptian air uh, air pilot did exactly that. Not the depressurization, but coming into Cairo, he just took the plane right into the ground. If you remember that story. Okay, you don't. You can look that up. I do think that. No, we just all hate flying, that's all. Uh, yeah, and we're done. That's it. I spent all my time on my stories. All right. It's a uh, good score, story, though. It explains a lot about the Handel family. Uh, it does. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, Jeff Sessions is taking on immigration cases, but in a very strange way. And you're, it's, it's interesting to see how the law works on this one. KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Tuesday, May 15th. The big stories that we're covering. Uh, Gaza, uh, it's still going on. The uh, demonstrations, uh, United Nations Security Council's meeting over that. And Tom Wolf, uh, journalist and author, Bonfire of the Vanities, The Right Stuff, uh, has died at the age of 87 in New York. Okay, uh, one of the things that you may not know about or may not even realize is that immigration judges aren't really judges. They work for the Department of Justice. And what ends up happening if a, quote, judge, and it really is a hearing officer more than a judge. So someone who is an illegal alien comes to the border and, for example, declares uh, sanctuary, asks for sanctuary, refugee status. And uh, then it goes right into the system, assuming the Border Patrol lets them through. And then they go in front of an immigration judge to determine whether the next step is uh, made or not. And uh, then it's in line, and you got a couple years down the road, and uh, the folks at uh, that ICE can either hold them for a couple years in detention or let them go pending a hearing where no one ever comes back. And so that's an immigration judge. But that's not an independent judge. Well, the other thing, if they're caught inside the country, they can also ask for a hearing to determine uh, whether there's any basis in them staying here legally. And 99.9% of the time, there's no go on that one. But here's the problem is, I don't even know why they use the word immigration judge. When you look at judges in the United States, 
there is judicial independence. The government can't force a judge to do anything. What the government can do is sue and then in front of a federal court, because judges, uh, uh, the government, federal government normally doesn't go in front of a state court. I don't know if you even can. But the, the judge in that case uh, has no axe to grind legally. I mean, he can go make a decision either side. And then if the government doesn't like the decision, goes ahead and puts it to the appeals court, doesn't like that decision, goes ahead and submits it, appeals it to the Supreme Court that could say yay or nay in terms of even hearing the case. Not that, not the same case with immigration judges. Let's say you have an immigration judge that decides one way or the other. And the administration, Department of Justice, doesn't like it can actually overturn that decision. And Jeff Sessions has in a couple of cases, which is just another episode in the way that illegal aliens are viewed by the federal government. Now, the Justice Department has always left the uh, immigration, quote, judges alone. Uh, they have uh, it, a quasi-independence, legally the attorney general has the right and the ability to overturn a decision. Does not have that right when it comes to uh, a federal judge or even a state judge, because those are judges. The attorney general does have the right and the ability to make a decision go the other way. And why haven't we heard about this before? Well, because it's never been done before. It's one of those it's one of those laws, one of those procedures that are technically on the books, but no one has really ever used it. It's much like uh, after Nixon with independent counsel, technically the president has a right to fire Robert Mueller because Robert Mueller works for the Department of Justice, which works for the president part of the executive branch, but tradition holds, and it's getting stronger a tradition by the moment, tradition holds that the president, through the attorney general, is not going to fire independent counsel. The political backlash would just be extraordinary. It would blow up. But it's not blowing up with Jeff Sessions. Why? Well, uh, because it's happened only a few times. I don't know if people really care very much, but it's certainly happening. And even though judges are supposed to have some degree of independence, immigration courts, it's not going to happen with uh, this administration for the most part. Okay, uh, coming up. Uh, the tech that monitor monitors inmate calls also tracks you, and it's an issue of privacy. And I don't know what the big deal is here, uh, but I'll go through that when we come back. Also, your chance to win a thousand dollars. This is. And this is uh, KFI handle here. Good morning on a 15th day of uh, May, and here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. 
text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. And if you do win, you're going to get a call from a number you don't recognize, so you've got to pick it up or they'll move on to somebody else. Your chance to win happens every hour Monday through Friday, starting at 5 o'clock with Wake Up Call all the way through the Conway Show at 7 o'clock at night. All right. Uh... Let's talk about your privacy. We do that a lot, don't we? Privacy is always uh, such a big deal, particularly in this day of the Internet and uh, the fact there ain't any at all and what uh, the uh, companies can do. And uh, certainly uh, Cambridge Analytica, which uh, tracked everybody down that was on Facebook and then sold that information. So I don't know if you know how it works in prison. Obviously, you know you can't have cell phones, so when inmates call, and they're allowed to call, I mean, you've seen those uh, videos, those pictures, uh, the movies, where they line up to use those phones on the wall. Well, those effectively are pay phones. And uh, they are either you're allowed to, if you're an inmate, you have money that's put into the, uh, the commissary business in terms of that account that's used to pay for the phone calls, or I still think you can call collect and the other side pays. I think that's a system that is involved. In any case, they make uh, a lot of money off of that because they charge the inmates a ton of money for those phone calls, far more than you and I would pay. And that's a whole system of which it's a, a whole business. Well, there is a company called Securus that uh, provides and monitors calls to inmates. And thousands of jail and prisons across the country use this, this company. It's the biggest one at all. And what it does is track people's cell phones, including those of uh, the officers at the jail. And it tracks the phone calls that are made. Not listening to the phone calls themselves. But if you have a family member that's an inmate in North Carolina and the he makes or you make a phone call is probably him making a phone call to you. Well, uh, Securus has that information and knows that you made that phone call and knows how long that phone call was. Can't listen, obviously, without a warrant. The government coming in and uh, the FBI or the local police issuing a warrant and tapping it, but just the very fact that it has the ability and does. Know where you are. Effectively, it's tracking. It's pinging the cell phone towers. And there is a huge uproar about that, which I don't understand. As location tracking becomes more accurate, the ability of law enforcement officers and companies like Securus uh, to get all that data has become an ever greater privacy concern. And I think it breaks down with the government doing it, private business doing it. I think everybody is perfectly comfortable with private business, knowing what you buy, where you are, how much you spend, what your family does, what your hobbies are. For some reason, that's terrific. Knock your socks off. I happen to like pizza. Right? I order pizza all the time on the Internet. And therefore, they know who I am. And they know, figure out my cell phone number. So when I put Waze into my system and I'm driving around, all of a sudden, hey, there's a pizza parlor near you. It's lunchtime. How would you like five bucks off a pizza? You're okay with that. Like, I don't care. But if I'm calling 
let's say, my wife who is in jail for doing something horrific. But she hasn't been caught yet, so we're good. Right now, we're good. And uh, they're going to know that I have called her, and they're going to know where I was, and they're going to know how long that conversation was. And for some reason, that bothers everybody. It really bothers the, the civil libertarians and the right to privacy folks. Now, I can see uh, the issue with elections. That I can see. Because ads are interfering with a fundamental franchise that we have. I mean, that is the basis of this country, is free elections. And it is against the law for foreign entities to get involved with our elections, which makes sense. So the investigation of Cambridge Analytica uh, and... Uh, various other WikiLeaks getting information and the hackers coming in and then using that information to sell to foreign uh, entities, read the Russians. Okay, that one makes sense. But, you know, you calling an inmate? And let's say there's criminal intentions involved and they're able to track that down, which they have a few times. Even people that are... Let's say they're missing, they're trying to track it down, or people on the lam, right, calling inmates. Now, I'm just guessing at a statistic, but my guess is there are a greater number of criminals that are calling inmates than not, than in the general population. I don't call that many prisoners ever since Marjorie got out. I do not call that many prisoners door to you. Now, if you happen to have someone who is in prison, you happen to be part of a group of people that are in prison, I can see this. And the only thing that bothers me uh, about this is I'd like a little consistency. If you're upset about what, quote, they know, right, they being the government, the black helicopter crowd, Why are you okay with Costco, knowing how many salamis you buy? Or how many pizzas you order through the internet? And then all of a sudden a pop-up ad comes in and says, Oh, hey, how would you like to go here? This restaurant down the street has a great deal. Or Walmart has a terrific deal on Pampers because you have a two-year-old or you have a one-year-old kid who is still using diapers. Or you have someone very old at home who is using diapers. Or you have a family member who's incontinent and still using diapers. Or maybe you have a bladder problem and you're still using diapers. Hey, they'll know. They'll know. The internet is going to know. Coming up, technology distorting history. What a great story this is. And here's another Uh, Here's just another move into the world of technology that is fascinating that I didn't know until I read this story. This is KFI. KFI, handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning, May 15th. Uh, Some of the big stories that we're covering today. Tom Wolfe, author of The Bonfire of the Vanities and The Right Stuff Has Died. He was 87. Uh, Right now, the... um, Security Council is meeting and uh, dealing with Gaza. And, of course, uh, Israel is always at fault. And uh, uh, the world is talking about these infants who have been killed by Israeli forces. 
No one is asking, what, what, who brings an infant to a demonstration like that? Who brings an, a toddler or an eight-month-old to the border that you know is going to be confrontational? That question is not being asked. And uh, STDs have increased by 45% compared to five years ago. So a good, good chance that you've got the clap. All right, now, I know, I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, I know exactly where I'm going with that, and I shouldn't have. All right, I don't know if you watch a lot of documentaries. I love documentaries. I watch the Hitler Channel all the time. They call it the American Heroes Channel, but we know it's a Hitler Channel. And it's one of the things that uh, they do is uh, modern-day documentaries. I just saw one on Charles Manson uh, a couple days ago. And interspersed with actual interviews and statements made by Manson during his trial are sort of, well, they are. uh, What they are are interviews that aren't real. You know, they have actors. Most of the time, actors are horrible. They don't look anything like the actual person they're talking about. But in the case of the Charles Manson one, I couldn't tell the difference between when it was the real Charles Manson and when it was the actor. It was just, they went back and forth. I'm going, wait a minute. Now, it used to be whenever you saw those uh, those films, those documentary films, it would say actor portrayal at the bottom. They don't do that anymore. Now, Civil War documentaries are one thing. Because you know when, you know, the Civil War recreation crowd, they go out and do the battles with the full regalia. You know those aren't real. Because they didn't have many television cameras back in the 1860s. But when it comes to modern day documentaries... They sort of mix it up. So real history, real footage, and manufactured footage. You know, actors doing their thing sort of get mixed up. Well, let's take it another step further. That really gets crazy. Let's go back to November 22nd, 1963. John F. Kennedy, of course, is assassinated in Dallas and he shot at Daly Plaza. And he goes off to Parkland Memorial Hospital. He was on his way to a speech that he was giving in front of several hundred business executives in the Dallas area. It was a, a lunchtime speech. And of course he wasn't being he wasn't able to give that speech because he was dead at that point. So here we are 45 years later, and we can hear that speech. That never happened. How the hell do they do that? Well, there is new technology out there, and here's what they did. Here's what the people that created this did. Taking more than 116,000 snippets of speech from samples of all of his other speeches... That the president made and then put in a Scottish voice cloning firm to produce a Kennedy-esque rendition of his final scripted words. At its very best, Kennedy is clearly doing the talking. I mean, it is John F. Kennedy who is doing, he's giving a speech that he was at that point already dead. Same thing with Martin Luther King same thing with other great uh, other great historic figures. 
And so at its best, it's him. At its worst, it's a robocall. Doesn't sound so good. So are we starting with the, the, the good one or the bad one, John? Uh, which one are we starting with? Let's start with the good. All right. Here is what is considered the good part of a speech that John F. Kennedy never made. In a world of complex and continuing problems, in a world full of frustrations and irritations, America's leadership must be guided by the lights of learning and reason. That is uncanny. If you recognize JFK's voice, that is uncanny. That was a speech that he gave a few minutes after he died. Wow. It's much like, uh, I'll never forget, Great Western Savings. Uh, If you remember Great Western Savings, they had hired John Wayne to be their spokesperson. And I remember receiving a robocall, early days of robocalls. And John Wayne had already died when I got the robocall. So it was, phone rang, picked it up. Hi, this is John Wayne on behalf of Great Western Savings. I start screaming into the phone, you're dead. Do you understand that you are dead? You cannot make this phone call. But that was a simple recorded phone call that he made. Now, the accusation that the JFK speech is a little robotic, here's what it sounds like. Achieve in our time, and for all time, the ancient vision of peace on earth, but will, Lord man. Yeah, a little off, but still, it actually sounds like the recording is bad. That it's uh, sort of kicking in and out. Uh, Jen, what do you think? I don't know. His cadence is a little weird, and it just his inflection is off. A I little think bit, is what right? It is. But the first one, the first one was spot on. It was just that spot was on, and it is really, really scary stuff. So there is an unrecorded 1960 speech by Martin Luther King uh, that was uh, supposed to be given and wasn't. We're actually didn't record it. So what the the firm did, the technology firm did was create that speech acoustically accurate down to the echoes at the Durham Church that was where he spoke many, many times. So they set up microphones, I mean, all over the place and came up with the ambience and put 250 people in the room who were murmuring. And the ambience was such that even the the people in the room, the space they took up, affected the speech it was absolutely that real now my favorite one is an acoustic model of john don's gunpowder plot sermon given in 1622 in the courtyard of uh, saint paul's cathedral in london complete with archaic english and murmuring yeomen all right you probably know that murmuring yeomen in 1622 isn't something that's particularly real. All right, you know, you're going to go for that. However, uh, as far as JFK's speech and as far as Martin Luther King's speech, uh, that's pretty damn good. How's that for technology, huh? Wow. All right, coming up, women are dying waiting for organs, and it's not what you think. I'm not going to get personal here. 
This is, unfortunately, a story of organ donation. It's a... Jen, don't look at me that way, please. It, it goes so well for so long. Like, I feel like we're flying the plane and the runway's right there, and then all of a sudden, handle just poo right off the runway. All right. Uh, KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here on a Tuesday, May 15th. Uh, we're asking you to please uh, donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California. It's a $400 donation, and you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at uh, the OUE Sky Space, a thousand feet in the air in downtown LA. You have to be 21, 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited tickets, uh, details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the search is, search word is Mixer. All right, uh, organ donation. God, there's never a story about organ donation that I don't do because it is truly one of uh, those issues that is near and dear to my heart, so to speak. So uh, here is a stat, and this kind of stunned me. Uh, This is 30 years of data from the United Network for Organ Sharing. This is a government-backed organization that facilitates the transplant system. And according to those stats... Women receive far fewer transplants than men every year. Women make up 60% of the wait lists for lungs. Men this year have received 60% of the lung transplants. The average wait time is, and this is in the U.S., for a lung transplant for men is three months. For women, it is eight months. And the heartbreak here is every day 20 people die waiting for transplants. And we can straighten that out in about two seconds if everybody just signed up. So why is that? Well, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, One, uh, women uh, actually are immunologically more difficult to match. Don't know why, but uh, that it's just the the connection between men and women and more men die of course than do women in terms of organ transplantation i mean one of the greatest one of the greatest sources of organ transplantation are young men who get shot in the head gangbangers traumatic brain injury they're in their 20s healthy as horses family is convinced to donate those organs that's a good transplant subject And there aren't that many uh, female gangbangers who get shot in the head. Uh, The other reason, and this makes sense when you think about it, is the size of the organs. You can put in a smaller organ, but you can't put in a larger organ into someone's body. The liver, the heart, the lungs. There isn't room. It's not like you can stuff lungs into a body cavity and squeeze them in. So you have women who tend to be smaller than men. You have men 
who probably are, well, there are, there are more of them that are donating organs. And by the time you're done, it's just harder for a woman to get an organ that fits. That's one of the big reasons. And the other one is no one has any idea. Is it a bias? Is it simply the way that men are considered superior in the end? For example, when I talk about uh, men being uh, given uh, the, let's say, first billing. Right, uh, Shannon? Of the Gary and Shannon show? Is it that one? As opposed to the Shannon what did, and Gary show? What did I just walk into? You walked into uh, <laughs> women uh, not getting as many transplants as men. and possi- Oh, interesting. Yeah, a lot of it because of size. Okay. Because the organs, women tend to be smaller, and you can put in a smaller organ, but not a bigger one. Yeah. And women are just smaller, so it's harder to fit uh, the organs. I'm a firm believer in the idea that you should have to opt out. I agree. That when you do your driver far, license. By then. far. Yeah. Doesn't so, make any sense. No, it doesn't. So, uh, Shannon of the Gary and Shannon Show. You can listen to the podcast and see where I'm going with that. What do you have going on today? Well, there's a new place where bullying has taken center stage. Um, one out of five people in this group has reported that they have encountered bullying. Uh, we're talking about name-calling, rumors, exclusion. This is a place where you wouldn't think bullying would exist, and they are introducing programs, training, and policies trying to get rid of all the bullying. Yeah. That is blowing up at nursing homes. It's a true thing. Wow. Here's the theory. People in nursing homes and senior centers, they've lost control of so much. They've been taken out of their homes. They're told what to do. They're yeah. told what to eat. And they have no control anymore in and their life. And they don't care. They're no, they do. Now, this is their way of taking back control. And it's control By bullying. over clicks. Interesting, isn't it? That is. We have to control something. Fascinating. Isn't it? What do you have control over in your life? Uh, Very little. Well, my bladder. uh, Uh, Well, would we say that? At least at this point. (laughs) Okay. And I'm just right now. uh, It's... When you think about it, not a it. lot, huh? And I, probably, I mean, you've I, got you've got Marjorie controlling your home life, absolutely, and your girls. Yeah, pretty you've much. got Alex and Michelle controlling your life here. That's true. And Robin. Yeah, uh, it's all so, it's all women. Karen, you know, controlling your car, your car basically drives itself. You right. don't control that anymore. No, and Karen, my partner at the Center for Surrogate Parenting, uh, which here's my philosophy of life: to describe it handles life. There is no such thing as a toilet seat up. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, well, you hold on to that bladder because it's all you have left. All right. That's uh, got a lot going on. <laughs> this is why I love this woman. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, the Gary and Shannon Show. Shannon, have a good time. Thank you, sir. KFI AM 640.